What's up, Bulls Nation? And welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Peck. My guy, Big Dave, is here. My guy, Will the Goat Gottlieb, is in the Magic Brazilian bubble. But most importantly, <laughs> welcoming into the studio today. We are thrilled to have him. Yes. You know him for his work spanning a decade from 11 to 2020 Flex. in ESPN in all different kinds of sports and walks mm. of life made the shift to Fox sports in 2020. Mm-hmm. Then there was another new little job he picked up in 2020. It was the television play-by-play announcer for our one and only Chicago bulls. Yes. He is the one and only Adam Amin. Yes. Give it up everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Give it up. I'm Hello, so happy my friend. To be here. He's to here. Sit, I, get to sit, I get to sit in between my guys today. Yes, yeah. Sir. This is it's different than just like doing like the drive by hug to both of you at a yeah. game and then be like, <laughs> yeah, all right, I gotta exactly. go work and see, like, that's why is, I like seeing Adam because when, when me and Adam see each other, we embrace. It's like, a it's a I'm legitimate, used to legitimate like it's a hug. It's, it's a, a real hug. hug. I my nickname for a long time for a or for a couple of my football crews is Huggy Bear just because yeah. I hug everybody. And right. Pandemic sucked for so many reasons. Yeah, but right. part of the reason was I really I just hug everybody. I've been too. my family's been like that since I was a baby. I'm like that. Yep. I'm like that with all my friends, yeah. with everybody. I, I that's how I show my appreciation and love for people. So, so our powers it, combined. It, well, yes. our our energies are very much aligned yes. in that yes. sense, man. Our powers combined. <laughs> Can I say something to you too? Also, I'm glad you're here because usually. When Will's here, you know, I, I love to give him compliments on his perfectly quaffed hair. It's so good. But yours, sir. <laughs> Damn. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm, this is, I'm this look, is on point. I, I, a, let me first say, let me. I'm getting better at accepting nice things that people say. As I yes. get older, I'm like, Teach all right, Will, let me not let me not let me not brush them aside and just be like, <laughs> but I cannot take that as a compliment okay. compared to Will. Oh, as I look into the bubble, mm-hmm. he it's still pretty glorious looking as it i look at glor- it right it now. is glorious man it's I, glorious. i'm actually i told you guys this before there's like a period where it looks good after like two or three weeks after i get a haircut and then after three or four days it just starts to go out of control and i'm reaching the out of control phase i got it's, it's, it's the haircut cycle of shame as boy meets world <laughs> you guys remember, world. Do you remember exactly. boy's world haircut cycle of Damn shame you for making that reference that's, that's oh. what he said i get okay. a haircut it looks terrible for like five weeks then it yep. looks good for a day and that's right. how i know it's time to get another haircut have you found the podcast yet adam there what? is a podcast hosted what was by Ryder Strong. What was I listening to the, on the way oh over my here? God, this is why I, I love was, you. I was listening to Pod Meets <laughs> World on the way over. On my walk over here, I was listening to Pod Meets World. Listening to Pod World while wearing a Prince shirt. Like he just this said, man. you know what, Matt and Dave, I got something for all <laughs> of y'all today. I'm doing all. Well, y'all. I like to be a wide-ranging individual. I mean, me too. As well. <laughs> everyone has shed their DVD collections because they're obsolete. One of the few things I still have in DVD oh, sure. form. Seasons of Boy Meets World. I, I totally respect show. that. One of the greatest shows of, yeah. of our childhood. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Shout out so to Panga. Topa- How early of a crush was Topanga? For oh, you? my God. Early. One of the, uh, it doesn't have to be oh, specifically. Early, early, yeah. One of the earliest Still, crushes. forever. Dan- Danielle Fischel. Just a, a salute to an integral part of our childhood. Absolutely, yeah. man. Shout out to Panga, man. And Sean and his lady, man. How come that didn't work out? I'm still upset about that. Was that was tough. And I, I miss Angela. Yes, I, When man. she left, she was it was hard. And he took it He took it hard, too. I used to he do did. the, first off, I used to have the Sean Hunter hair. Oh, where wow. it was okay. split in the middle. Okay. 
part, you know, middle part. So every every kid in the, in the yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Gottlieb is still rolling. Gottlieb's still rolling with the Sean Hunter esque hair, where he can, you know, he does the thing, the shakes it, and then like runs his hand through, mm-hmm. and then like I, his girlfriend knows where he is at all right. times yeah. when he does this. It's like a it's like a radar detector. That perk plus that got that Pantene hair going. You know what on. I'm saying? That prail. I was uh, I was hearing all this stuff about the Better Call Saul finale last night. And I was thinking, man, I need to rewatch. I need to start this. Need to rewatch Breaking Bad. But now I'm thinking, Boy Meets World might have to. Mm. I think I think it's a good choice. Absolutely worth a rewatch. And listen, don't get me wrong. I know it's a very similar, similar, you know, tone for both of those shows. But I think if you're only going to pick one, then go with Boy Meets World. (laughs) It's not a bad decision. Both just so edgy. Very, very edgy. Boy Meets World. Actually, you know, all things considered. I mean, a couple of edgy moments. It did. Sean Sean did join a cult for a while there. There was some real heavy, real life issues that they addressed. Yeah, he was. He was kind of abusive and drunk, and underage drinking. They addressed that. Sixteen. I'm like. Dude, I was like, life. hey, these guys got after it at that age. I definitely wasn't doing that. It was a cautionary tale. <laughs> ended up in a hospital. How many times they end up in a hospital? Never, Talk never, never oh, joined a cult because of maybe not just specifically because of Boy Meets World and yeah. the center, but, right? But that was a good cautionary tale. Yeah, it was good, good, good advice. Yeah, yeah. This was also, also cautionary tale. Motorcycles are dangerous. Mr. Turner gets a motorcycle man. accident and almost loses his life. Absolutely. Again, a hospital. Once again. Yeah, yeah, once again, a hospital. Man. Chad ends up in the hospital. He ends up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's it's all. It's <laughs> Corey and his brother would have heart-to-hearts in a hospital. There's Things always like a heart-to-heart that. in the hospital every Always, season. man. That's how it goes. We're off to a rousing yes, start. Yes, we are. <laughs> I mean, that's how it goes. I feel like you any crossover people who are diehard Boys World slash Bulls fans. It's a very Will, it's a very specific Venn diagram, I think, where knock it out here. I think Joey's over there Googling these episodes. He's like, he's like, never, I don't know what this about? television like, show is. What the hell is Boy Meets World? Dude, what is this? Um, <laughs> speaking of nerdy things, you uh, and I made a discovery through a mutual friend that you were a theater nerd growing yeah, up, time. like I big was. Theater nerd. I saw you in a production of Ragtime at Illinois yes, Theater <laughs> Fest. Was, it, was that the Illinois State year or the U of I year? It was a U of I year. Okay, yeah. Yep. Shout out. He was amazing in it, by the way. <laughs> but so, like, I've always been wondering if that was part of what led you into, or did you know simultaneously to being a theater nerd, what you really wanted to do was go into sports broadcasting? I don't know if it was simultaneous. They, they both fed into each other. So I played sports like everybody else did. I played baseball. I was a very good defensive catcher from the time I could hold the glove. I just It was just a position that I was really good at. Mm-hmm. Could not hit very well and got worse as I got older, as a lot of <laughs> us often figure out. I didn't get particularly tall. I didn't get particularly muscular or anything like that. So I was like, "Yeah, this isn't really uh, this isn't really working out all that well." I can still catch, and I can I can I can handle the pitching staff. I cannot swing a bat. So I ended up giving up baseball. I played basketball and football. wasn't particularly good at those after freshman year. wasn't tall. wasn't big. wasn't strong. wasn't fast. So sure enough, I I started playing high school volleyball, and I had time in the fall and the spring, and I had. Uh, an orchestra teacher of mine. I had played violin from the time I was seven years old until that point. And my orchestra teacher said, if you want, you should try uh, choir and theater because I think you it would fit your personality. I think you might be good at it. Mm. So I was like, all right, I'll, g- I'll give it a shot. I don't have, I have all this time now because I'm not playing sports. So I joined up choir and I joined up in theater and I wasn't bad at either one for you know for like a high school kid like right, yeah you're like oh he's although he's when you're in a high school age. theater production you think it's the you greatest it's the work that has ever existed in the history you can of ever do so I, I jumped I jumped right into choir I was in madrigals I was in jazz choir I was mm. doing musical theater I was uh in a production of Annie I was in how to succeed in business without really trying all these shows I did Shakespeare and then I started studying opera and I thought I was gonna I told this story on during the Sox broadcast the other day with Stoney 
I was training to be an opera singer for like a year. And then my voice, which used to be at a tenor level, like Pavarotti, Mm -hmm. went down to a baritone and it went down to a bass after that. And and it was sounding not like I sound now, but it sounded a little bit like this. Right. And I was like, well, I can't hit the high notes anymore. I can still sing. I can be a bass in the choir and I can project my voice and still try theater. So uh, I kept with it. I ended up in an all-state production of Ragtime that, that Matt saw at, at the Cranert Center at Uni- University of Illinois. And Truly moving stuff. Had a blast, and I'm still friends with... The, one of the guys in the show is my broker. Really? Uh, I'm still friends <laughs> with the stage manager from that show. One of my buddies is a doctor in, in Chicago. Uh, we, we've, you know, he's, it's, it's incredible. I've, I've made lifelong friends from that, and it gave me a lot of the skills that translated into college when I went, ended up going to Valpo. I tried theater and I tried TV and radio Mm -hmm. and TV and radio specifically doing sports broadcasts at Valpo was the thing that scratched the itch of all of that. Mm. It was the combination of sports and performance. You're essentially doing a a, a theatrical performance. You know, the the phrase about radio has always been theater of the mind, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to create a picture in people's heads. So those elements all combined in a sports broadcast to me. And that was probably the appeal to it. So mm-hmm. while it wasn't simultaneous, I feel like it all connected and fed into this one thing that I ended up doing. Mm. Very cool. That's so cool. Cause again, this is why Matt and I are so tight. Cause that was literally my first question as well. Was asked about your theater <laughs> back. That's why I wore my Judy Garland for you. Oh too my today, gosh. Bro. The man that got away. You, you are to me, the man sir. that got away. Yeah. I hope you know that buddy. <laughs> I hope you, you'll always be the man that got away. Hey man, I'm still around bro. Just give me I'm, I'm clinging on to him for dear life. Adam. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Matt's face change when he said that like once. I know we cool Adam. Come on now. I know we cool. <laughs> I don't need to leave you out of that. The man is representing Judy. I got about gotta, deserting me but I had to. But years. the thing I wanted to know, because I asked Matt this, and he t- he told me <laughs> told me his struggles with this as well. How tough was it for you to being in theater and finding people who actually love sports like you do, and having those conversations? The 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 couple people that I mentioned earlier that I'm still friends with. Part of the reason is because we were able to bond over our love of baseball and the Bulls. My my doctor buddy was a big Bulls fan. My broker was a big St. Louis Cardinal fan. So we always had debates about. Uh, Chicago and St. Louis, but it, it's, I love the Venn diagram. Like I know I've, I've used that a couple of times, but like, I really like that crossover and I like that wide ranging uh, appreciation for different things. And I think you can find elements of all this stuff. Like I said, I found elements of sports in broadcasting and in theater and, and all of these, you know, walks of life, you can find some connectivity to it. And if it all combines into things that you enjoy, you know, this is, it's what you guys are doing right now. It's yeah, a little yeah. bit of theater. Like when, yeah. when you're able to emote, mm-hmm. it does, you know, being a performer doesn't mean you're being fake. It just means you're adding emphasis to the emotions that you're already feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. Like my excitability comes out in a big moment on a sports broadcast, but that's, that's still theatrical because right. in a normal setting, I may not get up and down and scream, or I may not get up and down and raise my voice. My emotions may manifest themselves differently, but as a, broadcaster part of your job is to kind of elevate the emotions of what a fan is feeling or what you're interpreting and express it in a way that affects people emotionally and I I think all of these walks of life all of these little areas have some kind of connectivity to one another if you seek them out right and I it just it was kind of a cool confluence of of events that led me to kind of discovering this. I, I enjoy this. I'm not terrible yeah. at it. It was no. the same deal. I, I was I was okay at this for a college kid, yeah. and I 
that's the only reason I felt comfortable sticking with it. That's interesting you say. I'm, I, I know Will has a question. Let me ask you this quick because that's interesting you say that. Like you get that same thing you wanted to get out of theater as well. Because my my father was also a uh, mm-hmm. theater uh, guy, and he said the one thing he liked about it so much, in his words, he was like, when it would go vip, it would go vop. So basically, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have one time to do this thing. Yeah. Is that the same kind of thing for you? Like, it's that live aspect of it that just drives that adrenaline also? A hundred percent. And listen, we tape open sometimes, like, uh, you know, for any broadcast. It could be for Fox. It could be for the Bulls, for the Sox, for the Bears, whatever. We often just tape the open because it's the, it's, it's two to three minutes, right, of the broadcast. But it's yeah. the part that, like, you really work the most at as a production crew mm-hmm. oftentimes. And you put a lot of work into it. And it's not necessarily like the most enjoyable part. It's fun to come on air and kind of set the tone and set the energy for the broadcast, but that's the only part that like is taped. Mm. And I think that's part of the reason I don't love it as much mm, or, yeah, or it doesn't yeah. appeal to the right. whole crew. Like I think like the part that Mark Brady, our Bulls producer loves is the game. The part that right. I love, the part that Stacy loves, the part that Casey loves is the game because everything is based off of it. Everything you do in a pregame, everything you do in a postgame, everything you do in the open is all revolving around the action that takes place for those four quarters, those three periods, those nine innings, whatever. And that's the driving force of why we, any of us do anything in this business is the games themselves. And because it's live and we're covering it in real time and the appeal to being there on the scene calling games for me has always been you're the first person you're the mm. first liaison to from from a crowd from an audience sitting at home or listening in their cars or whatever to the game itself i i started in radio and i think the people that start in this business in radio i'm not saying they're better or worse but it's a very specific mentality they have about being the first to report that one thing and to create that picture especially on radio is to you know, you don't know unless Chuck says it on yeah. the radio, right? <laughs> right. If you're yeah, listening in the car and you're listening to Chuck and Bill, you don't know what's happening unless they say it. And right. in your mind, it doesn't exist right. until they say it. And it's a little bit of obviously of a different job in television. So it's more of a caption. It's more of a, a supplement, a compliment. That's why the emotion of it has to be an important element. That's why you have to perform a little bit. You right. have to be, you can't beat the pictures. Yeah. So your sound, the audio that you're, supplying to supplement the broadcast has to be emotionally connected to it so i think though all these you know i know i'm kind of giving you a lot of inside baseball here but i think i think all of this stuff adds to the appeal of the games themselves and why i i don't enjoy doing the anchoring as much you know i did anchoring and Mm -hmm. i did shows uh you know sparingly at espn Uh, i've done some stuff here and there i've done some radio here in town it's just not the same for me and it's not the thing that I love the most right. I enjoy it it's fun but for me the games themselves and and all these elements that we just talked about are what are, what are appealing to me mm-hmm. about it go ahead Will it's crazy to me that you say you kind of like stumbled into this almost because you you are so good at it and it's been such a just like treat to listen to you call games and that's that's part of the reason why it's uh I don't want to say it sucks to go watch the Bulls games in person but I can't listen to you guys when I'm sitting there so um, I'm curious though, like if you, if it is something that you just kind of stumbled into, like at what point did you realize like, Hey, I can be really good at this. I can do this professionally and at like the highest level. And then also, I mean, is there, you call baseball, football, basketball, is there like a sport or a team that you love calling the most? I'll do the second one first. I, I don't, the, the excuse I've always used because it is kind of a cop-out answer and I understand that because it's not the, the it's not the definitive answer that I think people want when they ask that question 
the next thing is always the biggest thing. Mm. Like the next thing always seems to be the most important thing. The next mm. thing seems to be the thing that excites me the most because it, it has to be. Yeah. You know, Kevin Harlan uh, talks about this a lot because he does Monday Night Football on the radio. He does a Sunday NFL game on CBS. He does TNT NBA basketball. He does the NCAA tournament. He does regular season games uh, for college basketball. So he's got a hefty schedule for like eight months out of the year. And he always said that the next thing was the most important. Like do as much pre- uh, preparation as you can as much advanced prep as you possibly can but when you start like getting into the town of the next game and you're traveling and you're in that city like you need to lock in on that thing and I th it's not that I love one more than I love another it's the fact that the next thing is the one that's going to give me the next jolt mm -hmm. you know it is it is I know I'm talking about it like a, a drug addict in some some ways like there is an addiction to this yeah, in a lot of ways yeah. I, I know it's a strange way to frame it but there is an addiction to the yesterday about the, us being junkies the <laughs> adrenaline of it though yeah. like like to be able to put yourself like kind of throw yourself emotionally into whatever it, it is in front of you and to have to encompass it you know with everything you got for that night it's why the focus for the next thing has to be so high and it's why it's so enjoyable. So in terms of like what sport I love the most, it, like when major league baseball playoffs roll around, like I did that sock series last year that mm -hmm. there's nothing bigger than that to me at that moment. Yeah. And then the next week yeah. you go back to an NFL game and there's nothing bigger than that at that moment. And then there's the opening night for the bulls and there's nothing bigger than that at that moment. But if I really parse it, it's a playoff. Like I've done game sevens of conference final series. I've done, you know, playoff series for Major League Baseball. I've done big NFL games. I've done college football championships. It's whatever the biggest stakes have. That's typically the one that the, the games that I gravitate towards the most. And then for your first one, Will, I think, I think when I got like into my senior, junior or senior year of college, and it took a long time to kind of feel comfortable with what I sounded like, what, you know, doing enough games to where I felt like I knew the structure of it. Like, Will, I'll say it this way. I've got friends of mine that do this job that you watch them and you're like, you're just, nat you just seem naturally perfect for this job. Like, Joe Davis is the voice of the Dodgers, mm -hmm. and he's one of my best friends. We grew up in the business together. We've known each other since we were in our early 20s doing minor league baseball together. And I listen to him, and I'm like, dude, screw you. Like, you just sound <laughs> good. Like, how did you sound? How do you sound that good? Wayne Randazzo is a, you guys, a lot Wayne of you might know Wayne, yeah. Wayne's name. He's another super, super close friend of mine. And he's so good. But I remember listening to him like the first time 10 years ago. And I'm like, how are you this good at this? Yeah. At this point of your career? Like, I'm not this good at this. And yeah. I've done a lot. I'm a reps guy. Like, I have to do it over and over again. And in my estimation, I'm not speaking for them. In my estimation, I think guys like Joe and Wayne, are like just naturally gifted at this and they got the reps which only made them that much better yeah. i think uh jason benetti and i've had conversations about this where i think he and i are both reps guys mm. we just do it as often as we can so that it's all muscle memory right. and it's solidified so i think part of the reason i felt comfortable by junior and senior year is because at valpo it's not syracuse right syracuse for those of you who don't know is it, this revered broadcasting school, right? Mm -hmm. Ian Eagle, Bob Costas, Mike Tarico, Dave Pash. I mean, go through a list. Dick Stockton. Wow. Uh, there's a, uh, dozens, and I mean dozens of people who you've listened to and watched uh, on TV or on radio that are from Syracuse, that went to Syracuse. And I'm Valpo was just 
hey, here's the radio station. Try right. not to swear. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. You know, and it's not a ton of oversight, so we just you got hear to the do Gary it. Gary Railcats, you know? I did and I did the Railcats. Like that's like I drive yeah. past the steel yard all the time, like, man. I, I did the Railcats. I did the Joliet Jackhammers. I did the Schaumburg Boomers for as a fill-in guy. I, I all that I needed to do it. Every time yeah. somebody said, Do you want to do this? I'd go, Yes, mm-hmm. because I don't know when I'll get another chance to to get better at it. So I had to do it. So that's probably when, Will. It was like 21, 22 years old, and I was like, okay, maybe I have a career this. Maybe I've got a shot at doing this for a career. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. It's yeah. very much a Malcolm Gladwell thing for me, and I'm not saying it's that, that for everybody, but for me it had to be. Uh, we will get some of your thoughts on the Bulls because this is a Bulls show, <laughs> but I, I do have one more broadcasting question that I've been yeah. meaning to ask you for a while now, and it's, it's probably something that you do for whatever team, whatever sport you're calling, but I've really noticed it with your work over the, with the Bulls over the past couple of years. And it's this way that you will take something that myself or Dave or Will or anybody else that is a junky Bulls nerd who is on Bulls Twitter all day, every day, will find in some weird fringe of Bulls <laughs> Twitter, and you will bring it and add it into your broadcast yes, in some certain moment during yeah. a timeout, during the, as an anecdote, if it's a stat, if it's a, you know, whatever it is. And I love it because it is a very new thing to me in the world of just mainstream. Here's a play-by-play person. Here's a color commentary person. Mm-hmm. And as a play-by-play person, you're bringing in fringe bits and pieces of sports Twitter and Bulls Twitter, NBA Twitter, that a lot of more traditional and s- more senior play-by-play broadcasters probably wouldn't think to do. Do you do that consciously? Or is it just you're like, hey, I saw this cool thing on Twitter today, and I'm going to talk about it while we're broadcasting the game tonight? Because I love that you've added that into your broadcast. It's way more the latter, and I think it's because I'm 35. I jumped on Twitter during, like, my senior year of college. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been – and I was on – we were on Facebook, you know, in high school – or, like, freshman year of college, basically, for me. And it's like – I'm one of the first people and pretty much any broadcaster at this point that's around my age or younger and probably 35, 36, 37 is the cutoff Mm -hmm. of that. Maybe Benetti fills into that role as well that basically started their career on while on Twitter. Like I I know it's a very odd thing to think about, but that's I think honestly, that's what it is Mm -hmm. where most of my adult life I've had social media and we're the first generation Joe, Wayne, myself, Benetti, you know, a lot, Ryan Rucco, like a lot mm-hmm. of us are the first generation to do it at this level, to do right. to have like a, an NBA job full time or to do a national broadcast uh, week, week to week for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one or two sports or whatever it is. Like we're the first generation to get a chance to do it. So the people that are our age and that are in our generation are going to this is how we absorb information right. like Twitter to me. And I, I, I mean, we've talked about this offline. I've kind of gotten away from Twitter mm-hmm. in terms of interacting with fans and it's and it's purposeful on my part just for my own sake right but I'm still on it because it's the greatest information curation tool in the history of our planet right like anything <laughs> you want you get to formulate it exactly how you want it yeah. and for me following you guys following like the people I think are funny that talk about the bulls even if I know like this is clearly like a funny thing or it's overly emotional or it's not like in the realm of logic and reason that I'm trying to operate in, in terms of real true to life preparation, it at least gives me the emotional side of it. And I Mm. know how at least people are feeling and that does matter, especially on the local side, maybe not as much on the national. And if you can tune into it a little bit, you're great. But I think it's more important on the local side when I'm already immersed in this team, but I'm, I also want to know 
right. what the reach is. It and connects what, you how more so to the local fan base you're so. calling on a nightly basis, and especially the younger segments of that local fan base that use Twitter and social media like to follow their team religiously sure. on an hour to hour basis. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of, I think our generation that has transitioned into using that as a tool. Like I said, right. I don't, I don't interact with it anymore, but right. to me, it is such a good tool for this job specifically. Right. Be impossible I mean, when you were talking about Stefano, our pal, shout out to him and, and the dancing cat videos <laughs> well, like, on the broadcast. That was just such a beautiful <laughs> moment for me. I'm like, I, I love that Adam is taking time to address this during the middle of a broadcast. It was, it was great. I see, I see all your tweets. I know, <laughs> I know what all you say. It literally does. Yeah. Yeah. It tripped me out when you said mine. Like I didn't. Yeah. Even oh, yeah. Listen, it. we, we, we tossed yeah. out the Levine stat yeah. because it was yeah. like, yeah, I was the first person that pointed that out to me mm-hmm. or, or that I saw, it pointed out was from you and I'm yeah. like yeah that's true he hasn't done it since UCLA yeah my phone rang immediately yeah. I, I, I didn't even see it and people were like dude did you see that I'm like, good I'm glad that makes me happy <laughs> yeah it's cool man alright plenty more to get to with our guy Adam Amin here on CHGO Bulls today uh, but first today's episode as I mentioned by the top of the show brought to you by our wonderful friends at PointsBet I'm even wearing their shirt today yes he is I'm a company man. Uh, Points bet sportsbook. What a, counting what down a the sellout. Days. What yes, a sellout he is. He is. Hey, man. Yeah, keeping it real. <laughs> hey, we got, we're, trying, we're trying to keep the lights cash, on, all right? Cash and them checks, Adam. Cash and them checks. Uh, count down the days until football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off from now until September 8th. We're getting close. Points bet power hour will unlock a new daily offer from noon to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time every day. Sign up for Points Bet now using that promo code CHGO to also get those risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, so much more. Now through September 8th. Mm. Plus, with that $50 more first-time deposit, you'll get a free membership to CHGO, which unlocks all of our great content by all of our credentialed writers and reporters, like our man, Will to Go Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Plus, a shirt of your choice from our CHGO merch locker. So download that PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. So once the game starts, Will, don't just bet. Tell Bulls Nation what to do. You live your bet life. What you do. Do you live your bet mm. life when you're broad? Like, do, right. you ever, do you ever put, I don't know if you're a big sports gambling guy, especially once it's become like just all out sure. legal in Illinois, a lot of other states. Mm. Were you before, and, and now that it's big, are you doing it? And do you let yourself do it on games that you're calling? I've never gambled on a sporting event in my life. This probably and, a good and, thing. It's, it's honestly, I've never, I've, never, I've never done it before. And it's not out of some moral like obligation yeah. against it. It's not that. It's just I've seen too much, <laughs> and I don't think I would be very good at it. <laughs> like, I've that's, seen enough to know that I've like, seen I, too much. Every, yeah. I've seen enough to know that I've seen enough. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just I can't, I can't do it. I, I do especially for football, mm. I always, always, always write down the spread of a game always and the total. Because right. if you get the blowout game, that doesn't really matter anymore. And I've yeah. we've had plenty of those in my two years so far and going into year three, yeah. two years of doing the NFL on, on TV. I, I would, and I would do it for college football too at ESPN where, cause that's, if you're, if you're tuning in, we used to do a Pac-12 like Friday night game, you mm. know, at 11, 30, uh, 10:30 Eastern, be on at 9:30 here in Chicago. Mm. And the only people other than the West Coast fans that are watching it, if you're up at 1 o'clock in the morning watching that, that game, it's because you're gambling right, on the exactly. game. Exactly. All right? It's because you're a degenerate <laughs> It's gambler. totally fine. So if we get the blowout game, I want to make sure that I let you know in the tradition of like an Al Michaels, like yeah, right. this game has 
hit a significant mark of some sort. Right, and you can exactly. be cheeky about it. And and the, and leagues still don't want us on the game broadcast itself right. to reference a lot of that stuff, right. if, if at all possible. But I think it's good to just kind of as a wink and a nod to the people that are probably watching your game. And if it's a 21-point game right. with two minutes to go on the fourth and the Giants have the ball down – you know, 28 to seven and right. the total is 39. Yeah. That last touchdown that Daniel Jones is going to run in with no time right. on the clock has some impact on. Oh, I mean, you know, big Dave witnessed it firsthand last season when I was you know, throwing some money on some bulls games sure. and sure. it was either a bulls blowout win or a bulls blowout loss. Yeah, sure. And I was just worried about the spread in the That's final it. six minutes of a, Completely is, decided yep. game. He is still mad at Malcolm Hill. Oh my god! <laughs> one, this one, of oh my. one of the worst beats. One of the worst beats. You year. know what we're talking about when we say till this when day. Malcolm Hill went off <laughs> in a game that was over. Oh, yep. Still cut mad the about lead still down mad. to single still digits. The Hawks were in control, and yeah, yet, here we go. Let's, here we go. let's make he a late in, push. Man. I've had. If I, I want to make sure I have this, I think it was Temple and East Carolina. At ECU in 2019 was one of the worst beats I've ever been a part of where there was a pick at the end of the game or a fumble at the end of the game, mm -hmm. like a strip yeah. after a tackle, and he took it in for a pick six, which would have flipped the total. And they called it back because, like, the whistle had blown. The ball hadn't come loose yet. The whistle had blown dead officially to end right. the game, yeah. which flipped it back to the under. <laughs> so, like, we've had – anytime you made SVP – because right. we would do the his we'd, bad we'd do the, segment. We do yeah. the Thursday night college football yeah. game yeah. twice or so. We had like the bad beat, and we led the bad beat segment wow. in SVP. <laughs> it's like, well, you probably just saw this about forty five minutes ago, and they'd use our call, and right. it always cracked us up. So another reason that we tried to just be conscientious of it. That was right. a game that was already over. Right. But me, Pat McAfee, Matt Hasselbeck in the booth all knew the total, all knew the over under. We're like, right. that's key, and <laughs> and we always have a good time with wow. it. One one thing I think that's so great about you is you do so many games. Like, you do tons and tons of games in different sports, different genres of them. But one thing is great is every time I hear you doing a different one, it never sounds like you've got one foot out the door. Like, you always sound like you're in it. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. focused strictly on that game. Like, it's pace. not like I can hear really nice. an announcer uh, who's used to doing football, doing basketball, and it just sounds like he's just there filling in. You know, and can't wait to get back to football. You always sound like you're immersed in it, and you know so many different details of it. And it's such a skill. Like Kevin Harlan is another guy who mm -hmm. I know like that. Like yep. when he does college, I believe that, yeah. you know, he's in there. Uh, what does that come from? Is that just a deep, deep love of actual sports that you have? And, or, or is it more of a people thing also with you? I, I think it's a lot of it. I think it's, a, it's different elements to it. And, I, and I, I'll say again, that's, very, that's, the high, that's like one of the highest pieces of compliment you can give to a broadcaster is that it sounds like it's, it's their show. Like yeah. they've been there the, the whole year. I've, I said this again. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about this now because we I was on with Stoney on Sunday filling in for Jay. And I, he, they asked that question or a similar question. And I said the, the biggest thing is I want to show up for that one national, even if it's a national game, I want to show up and make it seem like, you know, I've I've been your local guy all year. Yeah. Now, again, I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to know more about that team than their local broadcaster. The same way no other play-by-play -play announcer is going to know as much about the Bulls as I do. <laughs> or at least that's the goal. Yeah, that's because I'm, I'm the one who's doing the 90% of the games. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. Jason does when he fills in. I try to do that for him when I fill in. I try to be that when I do a baseball game on Fox or a football game on Fox. The goal is based on I like to study. It's tedious for sure at times, sure. but I still enjoy the preparation process. I love when it 
pays off in a broadcast at the right time in the right moment. Uh, that's a great feeling. So you're chasing that feeling. So you keep doing it over and over, keep deep diving and keep reading and looking for that extra note. I think part of it too is the, as I get older and I get more experienced, the other part of that is to not overload people because the more information you throw out there, it can become white noise at times. Mm -hmm. You know, it can just become all blurred in together. So you want to choose the right timing. The timing of it, of the preparation, is almost as if not more important than the, the, the note or the, the detail itself. Right. And we try very hard to talk to other broadcasters, read every beat writer, read all the, the stories that come out, whether it's a national perspective or a local perspective, in the days leading up to that game. And... You know, for the Bulls, obviously, it's a little bit easier because I don't have to do the baseline stuff. It's our team, so right. it's yeah. you know, it's the team I cover. But every day, it's what did Casey write today? What did Joe write today? What did uh, Jamal write this week for for dot com? What did Darnell write this week? What did Will write this week? What did Cody write this week? Uh, what's Rob thinking about? Like all, I want to make sure that I go through everybody's stuff and, right. and make sure I read it. Hey, oh, Julia's on the beat this week. I got to make sure I read her this week. Like, right. you have to be on top of that. N no more than 10% of that may ever get used right. on the air. Right. You just don't know which 10% it might be. You don't know what type of game you're going to have tonight. And heck, you, you don't know what type of game you're going to have next Thursday True. when you know it's a blowout against Sacramento. Right. And now you actually need to go back a week to some of the stuff that, that you want to refer back to. So it's a love for it. It's a respect for the audience. And it's all part of a very specific process that gets cultivated over a long period of time to feel like make you feel like that I'm, I'm as immersed as I can be and it doesn't always happen not every fan's gonna feel that way sure. but the goal is to make as many people feel like all right he at least is has worked to know the stuff that I know that's yeah. the hope excellent man well, all right man. Will first actual Bulls basketball question Let's do goes it. to you <laughs> well I'm curious like just from an overarching perspective you kind of talked about like the theater of it but like how much different was it how much more enjoyable was it for you calling games this past year compared to the others um or i guess it was just the the year before with the bulls but just like what was that like that kind of turnaround and and especially like being next to stacy king who's obviously like you know just so good at being positive and energized about the team like what did you feel from him in terms of a difference uh this past year compared to the one before well i think there's i think I hope at least that we're we're critical, but we're fair and critical when we are critical of the team. And I do think Great. that Stacy and I take a lot of pride in in criticizing bad play. We we never make it personal. It's not right. about being personal with people. If they get paid a lot of money, they're professional athletes. They know it's part of the territory, and because they're pros and they because they're talented, they set a certain standard for themselves. So mm -hmm. if they don't reach that standard, we have a tendency to call out, call that out. And I think you're more critical of a good team than you are of a bad team. It's easy to criticize a bad team, but you're more critical of a good team because they set a certain standard that's expected of them. You know, you, you start winning games, we're going to dive into the pick and roll a little bit more and be like, well, this play, it didn't work out. And it sounds like we're, we're uh, nagging on the team. That's not the case. The expectations are higher. So I think we'll... With the expectations raising, it, the, the expectations got raised before the 21-22 season. In general, I thought they were raised because the talent that was added. Yeah, right? you add Lonzo, DeMar, Caruso. The assumption is, right. by sheer talent alone, this should be a team that's 10 games better than they were the season prior. And I, I, they kind of ended up right around that 
point if you extrapolate you know a 72 game season to an right. 82 game season that first year obviously was the covid year it was a little it was obviously strange being in the building nobody else is really yeah, in the building yeah. uh being in a studio a little uh, a little room together stacy and i uh during the road games that year and obviously we had to do that a little bit this year too at times uh for covid issues but like the the difference was com- was it couldn't have been more different because of all that because the energy was different in the building like i I remember when we first had fans at the end of the COVID season and like the Boston game for the first time, there were people yeah. trickling in. I'm like, oh, this is already <laughs> you feel a little bit different. You already yeah. feel a little bit more of the energy and the life in that building. And then as the season started and they played well, they're, you know, six and one out of the gate. Even the preseason games, there was a different life in the building because of the style of play. So I think the expectations, as soon as those expectations got raised, you're more critical of a team when they're good because you expect more of them and they expect more of themselves. And you as fans expect more of a good team than you yeah. do of a mediocre team. When the team's bad, you just go, hey, it is, this is truly what it is right now. Yeah. You, you try not to fight it. But when the bar is raised to think this could be, this is the number one seed at the All-Star break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have expectations now for the final two months of the season. So when they don't live up to that or when you feel like that they're – they could do better they could do more because you've seen it happen you're almost more critical of them at that point so that was kind of the vibe that played along the trade-off the good trade-off of that is they're a better team which means there's more fun moments there's more energy there's more highlights there's more reasons to be excited and happy and joke around and all of that stuff it's a it's a great trade-off obviously you'd much rather have a, a good team that you can be critical of that gives you these great full of life and full of energy moments over the year than the alternative. Uh, shout out to our guy, Daddy Fish, in the comments, who said he thought Adam and Stacey brought great energy when the building was empty, and that's impressive. Very it's probably way cool. easier to do when you got a full rock and madhouse, which it right. was nice Definitely. to see again. Especially, you know, after the empty COVID year, but then yep. even the years preceding that, just a bad Bulls team, you were starting to see the United Center get emptier and emptier than any of us have ever seen a, in our lifetime. the first time life. in like a decade right. they weren't number one in attendance. Exactly. Right. Someone overtook them, and, and I was like, oh, wow. So yeah. to see, and, you know, Dave and I went to a lot of games this year in the stands, yes. which is great, and yep. being a part of that Madhouse crowd again was great. It was. Uh, was there something for you that was the biggest pleasant surprise, as you were calling the whole season, whether it was – the dominance of DeMar DeRozan as he's aging into, into his, you know, his 30s years. The way that Io answered the bell when he was called upon to play such a much bigger role than I think a lot of people, maybe even himself, anticipated. What was that biggest pleasant surprise for you over the course of the whole season? Well, the, Thanks, the, Joey. <laughs> tossing the hat back. The, DeMar is number one, is A1 on that list, because not because you didn't expect him to play well, mm-hmm. The level at which he played, the efficiency with which he played, especially in that that stretch right around the All-Star break going into and, and after mm-hmm. it, but especially going into that All-Star break, that's some that's special. Like that's that's not that is atypical of any NBA player to have that level of sustained success sustained success for that long of a period of time. That just doesn't get seen very often. Unless you're talking about the Curries of the world, the mm-hmm. LeBrons of the league right now. Uh, those are the types of players that we typically think of. We're talking about Hall of Fame caliber, you know, maybe Mount Rushmore type of active players that we're discussing that have that ability, you know, the Durants of the world. Yeah. And DeRozan was playing at that level. That's, yes. that's why you were in the MVP conversation if you're DeMar DeRozan, Correct. because you played as, at such a high sustained level of excellence. So that's line item number one. I was impressed with Zach playing through. Yeah. 
especially in a contract. I understood it was a contract year, so maybe there was an extra little bit of motivation there. Sure. But he he never complained. He wanted to be in the lineup every day. You could tell it bothered him at times. Yeah. You could tell he was not 100%. And yet at the same time, I just appreciated that he went through it because he he felt a certain level of responsibility. And I hope that Zach is the type of guy, and I've never seen anything otherwise, I think Zach is the type of guy that takes responsibility and shoulders it. So mm-hmm. even with the big contract, I think he feels some level of responsibility with the money, not just... I got paid, I got right. the bag, I'm good. And before DeMar arrived, and I think even still, he has been the face of the franchise for a while. He's still. So. Of and the it, pieces so. in that Jimmy trade, he's the one that stuck around, Absolutely. put the work into his game, and turned himself into a star. And yeah. and as much as I love DeMar, and I, I still think he might be the one of the great players in Bulls history to pass through, even if he's not a homegrown talent, Zach Levine is still the face of this franchise. Right. He's the one that people know the most, uh, whether it's because he's younger, whether he's more explosive, uh, the marketing of it. It, it doesn't matter. He still, to me, is the face of this franchise, especially after signing the Supermax. Uh, I didn't realize how great Caruso was. Mm-hmm. I Man. did not realize how good Alex Caruso was as a defender and more as a playmaker. I didn't realize that that's where his offensive talent sat Mm -hmm. and obviously LeBron had spoken very highly about him and said you know he's one of the great teammates Mm -hmm. he's one of the best LeBron whisperers maybe of LeBron's career like just somebody who understood how to play with LeBron how he serves the role of playing under LeBron James vital piece of that bubble Lakers team absolutely and 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 that's what I knew about him I was like I know he's a good defender and I know he was a key piece but to watch it in action to see the little nuanced plays that he makes, not just as a great defender who, you know, I I loved hearing him talk about how it's like being a snake defensively. Like you have to be ready to strike Mm. and counteract what the, what the initial action is. Mm -hmm. It's so incredible to listen to him, but I honestly feel like you don't appreciate it until you see it in person. That play he made against the Knicks, like that little, uh, it was off an offensive rebound. He's at the top. He's looking to the near sideline. Vucevic is at midcourt, and he sprints behind him. Yes. And Alex yes. just knew that he was there, yeah. and he just left it left it for him. And I'm like, that's a heady. Yeah. I see two or three steps ahead of everybody else. And I didn't realize how good Lonzo was uh, in that same vein. They're both yes, very much cut from the same cloth, yeah. where they just see like one or two at their best, maybe two or three steps ahead mm-hmm. of what the other guys are seeing. I think those it's it's in that order to me, and then I think Io is number five right on that list too, oh, just yeah. to step up the way he played when they needed him most. I, I was impressed by that. True indeed. Uh, one thing, I, I another thing, I I'm heaping all this praise on you, deservedly <laughs> so, though. Deservedly <laughs> so. But another yeah, I'm, thing try, I, I'm trying to get better at, at accepting yes, and appreciating yes. compliments well, rather than being like... you hang with Sportscaster of the Year 2021, <laughs> by the way, people. Mark. If you're going to hang with me, Adam, you're going to have to know. Praise Had to do will it be to you. Had to do it to you. You know what I mean? A workman is worth this higher, man. I'm going to hand it to you. Um, but one thing I do like is you have what I like to call controlled fandom. And when you're watching a game and there are moments where whether they're high or whether they're low, like you can kind of hear your fandom kind of seep out a little sure. bit. But you always know, you know what I'm saying, where you are, what you're doing, it never gets ahead of you. And <laughs> I'm saying all that to say, I'm, I'm on my podcast right now, we're doing our uh, Tournament of Trash. And this year, it's, <laughs> yes. it's worst Bulls moments. So I've gone over quite a few Bulls moments. And one I went over and I marveled at was the Denzel Valentine against the Miami Heat. We took that 40-footer. <laughs> Because it was that no. moment for me. No. It was great oh, no. just to hear, oh, no. just to kind of hear it seep. <laughs> yeah. 
a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was he was he was doing the call. He was right with it. It was like, no, what? You, wait, what? And you could just hear the fan like you wanted to be having a beer in your hand right then at that moment, making that call. I, I think I was drunk after that yeah. shot went up. I think I, Michael in the comments knows what we're talking about. Oh, oh my god, god. Yeah. what are you yeah. doing? Oh no. my goodness, and, Valentine! Yeah, just hearing you say that is not the shot you want to take. Like they had worked so hard right. to get back into that game. I, I, you know, I've thought about that moment in like the the year since or whatever it's it's been. I was like. Did we go too far? Like, like, cause somebody, I remember that got on like PTI yeah. and like around yeah. the whole. Oh, it went viral. Like Bomani yeah. was talking about. It. I was like, did we go too hard on Denzel? I don't think so. And I was like, listen, no. I, I go back to what what we said before. It's nothing. Per- we never make it Correct. personal. Correct. I never. We never said Denzel's a bad human right. being for taking. That's the right. Shot. They always right. gave we us. Never, we were doing outsiders. We never said personal. We never just don't make it personal. We never said he's the worst player around. I, we right. talk, I said that. I tr- I said that about Grayson Allen. I'm like yeah. after the Caruso incident, I was like, I'm not saying Grayson Allen is the worst guy on the planet. Right. I'm saying in these circumstances, this takes place too often for my liking. Right. In in that moment, that's not the shot that should have been taken. And you know who knew that more than anybody else was not, Denzel Valentine. No, right? Denzel <laughs> thought that that was the best <laughs> shot to take on he, that position. The way I think the I way he reacted, <laughs> he said the right, he said the confident thing afterwards. Mm. He 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 said the confident thing afterwards, which is like, hey, uh, that shot I felt like I could make. That's how you you have to think that way if you're an NBA player. You can't. Yeah. Demar Derozan <laughs> believes that. Like he believes that every shot's going to go yeah. in. It's a mentality that I can respect and appreciate, Correct. but. Again, that's not your sh- that's not your shot. Right, if right. you had made three thirty footers in that game, I go listen, man. You tip of the cap to you. Right, We're using right. a lot of context, and that and I that when you said controlled fandom, the word that I love in this job more than anything is context. Mm-hmm. I can give you a nugget, I can give you a stat, I can give you you know a number, but unless I give you some context surrounding it, or if you've already gained the context by watching the game and right. you've been in with us the whole whole night that number or that note doesn't make sense. And I think in that context of the situation, of how they had worked to get back into the game, he, I think he understood that in the postscript that wasn't the best shot. We yeah. reacted to it as yeah. we kind of knew it wasn't the best shot. Yeah. And we try in everything we do to use context, not just in what we say, but how we say it. Like yes, the yes. Context doesn't it does impact your emotions as well. Mm-hmm. And I try to be as reasoned as I can be in the in the moments that are the the hottest of temperatures yes. like when the moment yeah, is at, yeah. at its hottest whether you're frustrated whether they're playing poorly if something really good is happening you try to corral it you want the biggest call to be the biggest moment of the game yeah. that's why the buzzer beaters are fun yeah. you know like that's why the indiana Demar, buzzer beater for me delivers. it's yes. why it was fun because <laughs> that's the moment you get to let loose and that is the moment there yeah. is no moment that's going to be bigger than that and that's how we want to use context to fuel the emotion with which we speak yeah, i, I want to follow up on that demar DeRozan delivers because mm-hmm. matt wow what a shot what a call <laughs> yeah. we will do that coming up next to get more of adam's thoughts on the bulls off season and the upcoming season in just a minute but first big dave tell yeah. our listeners and bulls nation everywhere what? out there about the wonderful products available at owen i shall do that and Adam would like this too, because that man is in shape over here. That 100 percent plan. I think he jogged here, by the way. 20 minute walk. <laughs> he said it was a 20 minute walk. Well, when he's on that 20 minute walk, he can have that 100 percent plant based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as he does. All right, all of these products 
are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and it is good to your tummy tum tum. It is easily digestible. I'm talking about Owen. It is only what you need. And, of course, it's endorsed by QB1, Justin Fields, right. who we was watching because we were listening to this man <laughs> call the game, listening to him shout out Jim Miller, listening to him call that game out there. But Justin Fields is also down with Owen, so you should be down with it too. So Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you this awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Just use that code CHGO20. So join Justin Fields, join myself, join the GOAT, join Joey, join Matt, who's got his hat back on his rack, because that's where he's at. I'm going to keep rhyming. Attack. That was very nicely Black. done. Very nicely Black. done. <laughs> All that. So get that down with a man and join Owen, because it is only what you need. Because as I keep telling y'all, Owens, a win. Mm. That was for you, Adam. That was very nicely done. That was much. that was pun heavy, and I liked it. Mm. Getting the full effect. The Oof. big Dave Reed, a- big Dave Adreed's up close <laughs> and personal, man. He's, he's showing that. off today. Yeah, he's, <laughs> showing off. he's definitely showing off. <laughs> I, did, I went behind the back on him a little bit, Will. I went he's behind like, the Adam back. Adam gets to sit next mm. to Stacey King. Do his. Uh, I was yeah, say, it's, you know, it's, like, it's you no gotta, nationwide. You gotta step your game up, big Dave. Hey, man. When Stacey was here, I had to step it up. Yeah, I can respect it. I can respect it for Stacey. You know, okay. DeMar DeRozan, New Year's Eve. Buzzer Peter wins the game over the Pacers. Two-part question. Where does that rank, if you have rankings, and all the calls you've made in your career spanning all the different sports, both professional and collegiate? Because you've had some epic ones, like Women's Final Four from a few years ago, I remember as being yeah. a great one, the, yeah. the shot from uh, Agumwale, yep. I think. Where does it rank? And how mad are you that you weren't on the call yeah. the next night for his back-to-back <laughs> second night in a row buzzer beater against Washington? I am happy for my good buddy Andy Demetra, who did a fantastic job on that broadcast. He did a he did. great job on that call. That he true. nailed it, too. Yeah. And yeah. I was so happy for him that he got a chance to do that. He, obviously, he loves the Bulls, We will too. let ourselves out. I, I, was, he, I, was, I heard it. I was, I was sitting. At, I, didn't, I, I was in Baltimore, uh, which is why I couldn't do the game. I had to do an NFL game on Sunday. Yeah. And I, I would have loved to make it work. Baltimore's yeah, not that sure. far from Washington. Right. So, like, it would have been awesome to make that work. I just couldn't make it work. But um, I was sitting in my hotel room, and I'm, like, just tracking the game on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my notes for, for the football game, and I get my, – my phone starts blowing up. Because some people think that I'm – they're assuming right. Assuming that you I'm, were on the that call I was that, on the call right. for it. Yeah. Uh, and other people knew, knew that I'm not and go, did you, did you see it? Did you see it? So I, I go on Twitter immediately, and I listen to it. It was awesome. But, like – I was so I was like I was upset in the sense of like that would have been fun to right. to be yeah. a part of. That been it cool. was history. It was it was, it was incredible. I think, I think it was going around Twitter that day that it was only the second time ever, other than Larry Bird, Larry that a Bird in the NBA history had done that it, in consecutive games. Consecutive and games. it's the only it's the first time on back to back days right. Bird had done in consecutive games. But so yeah, like you're upset in the sense of like I I, w- I was upset the same way. Like Ian Eagle, who's one of my mentors in this business, yes. should have called the Kawhi Leonard. Game winner in Game Seven, the bouncer. The bouncer. Mm-hmm. Right. But he was at his son Noah's graduate college graduation that day, mm-hmm. and Kevin Harlan did a again fantastic really job on the job. call. Yeah. And I remember texting Ian. I was like, "How are you feeling right now?" He goes, "Would have been nice to have, but at least." <laughs> but Noah walked across the stage, and I can right. live with that. So it's like, well, it's like, it's like right. you know what? I'll, I, I, that's the right perspective to have. <laughs> yeah. It will. It's. I don't know what the order of of it is. It's a top ten for me moment. Uh, again, sure. call calls are subjective. Like yeah. the fan gets to decide if it's good or bad or whatever, and fans will feel differently on the same call. It was that's good. okay. 
What's yes. up? <laughs> Thank it you. Was but good. but was like good. for me, I just know that what I felt in that moment and how like not just the call itself, but like the 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 euphoria you kind of feel after you get off the air mm. of moments like that because yes. you're tense. My shoulders are never more tense than in the final seconds. Mm. It's and I'm sure you got. I mean, it's the same yeah. way you are yeah. watching a game. You're you're just you're white knuckling it. Yeah, yeah you know, completely. <laughs> I have a problem. It's, it's 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 a human it's a human way to to react to it. And yeah. I'm the same way. Again, I have to be controlled in yes, certain aspects of it. But I'm feeling the same thing you guys are feeling. Whether it's my team or or another team, it could be a big moment or. Uh, for any team, I just I'm there and I'm I'm tense, and the euphoria you kind of feel after the call, the release, this mm. adrenaline that just leaves your body. That's happened maybe ten times in my career, and it's that's one of the ten, and it's yeah. one of the coolest moments I've ever had wow. the opportunity to be a part of. And it, again, we're a small part of it. If Demar doesn't make that shot, right. it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like that, yeah. that's he makes that moment, and we just try. Did, to you, did you think he was going to get the shot off? Were you sitting there wondering because like, uh, are, does Demar know how many ticks are left on the clock? He clearly didn't, yeah. as he said yeah. afterwards. Like he didn't realize it. Yeah. I thought he was going to get a shot off when he was bringing it up. Right. I didn't think it was going to come off one leg right. with like from less than a, from, 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 30, from 33 feet or whatever it ended right. up being with one less than a second left on the clock. Yeah. I, and I certainly didn't realize it was going down in, mm. you know, but, but I mean, you just, you prepare, you hold on, you stay ready so you can be ready. Yeah. And that's how you approach it. So one of the, I, I guess, most polarizing guys of the all season for the Bulls is Patrick Williams. Sure. Um, a lot of Bulls fans are like, yes, he's the one, he's the next one, he's going to be great. Others are just skeptical on what he can take. What is, what is your feeling on uh, Patrick Williams as far as what you've seen up close? You know, it, it was really frustrating when, you know, you're, you have all these good vibes off a 4-0 start. The Knicks are in town. It's a competitive game. We were at that game. And you guys were at that game. Thanks. And I, you know, it's just so disappointing because when you hear the news the next day that, oh, these, this is going to be a while. Mm -hmm. He had worked so hard in that summer league going in. You're like, oh, this guy's this guy's starting to yeah. take a step. He's figuring it out. So obviously, it's more of a wash most of that development of that year. Now, what we saw late in the year when he did come back, obviously the Minnesota game, and we take it with somewhat of a grain of salt because of the personnel that was on sure. the floor. But what we saw in the playoffs, putting up 20, like these are developmental benchmarks. And Theo Epstein always talked about it when he was running the Cubs that progress is never linear mm. and we want it to be so badly right yeah. the, the assumption is that every time you take a step that's that's it you're never going to take us you're never going to backslide at any point that's not true that's not how human beings are that's not how sports are that's not how a high volume of this stuff interacts with with the day-to-day -day process of a player like you're going to take some steps back so what i'm looking for is how big are the leaps and the year though the year two to year three leap is something that demar talked a lot about and he was speaking about this specifically in terms of Patrick, where his second to third year in the league, he felt like he understood better what the travel's like, what your body goes through, how you can rest and recover better, along with the maniacal level of work you now have to put in. Because yeah. you've done this so, for so long and you've been so good compared to everybody else just about that you've played with. Yeah. The, night, the last two years, you're not the best guy on the floor. You're not right. the third right. best guy. You're, you may not be the seventh best guy on the floor anymore. Right. Yeah. You're in the NBA. Like Everybody's good. Everybody's here for a reason. So I think now if he can take that leap in understanding what it takes, and I think he's doing the right things. Great. Going out to L.A., doing the workouts two a days, waking up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning to, to go lift and to 
run drills and to take shots and to run some pickup with DeMar to go play in the Drew League yes. while DeMar is doing that. Which, by the yes. way, you want to talk about the maniacal level of work ethic, the maniacal level of love for Dude. the game. DeMar is playing in the Dude. Drew League playoffs right, yeah. right now. <laughs> it is August. Yes. It is mid-August. Training camp is starting in like three weeks and right. he's yeah. still going full bore. Yeah, yeah. and he's in, like, in no, I'm going to need 17 fourth quarter points. Yeah, to get and he's still go. scoring 37 <laughs> and, and yeah. breaking guys down. So I think uh, for Patrick to see that, firsthand this is what it takes mm -hmm. to be at that guy's level like we, we said we're putting him up with like hall of fame caliber active players like lebron and durant and curry and you know Embiid and uh Jokic. like he was in the conversation right. for mvp right. that's what it takes to get there so i think seeing that is you to, you got to see it to be it and right. i think that helps so okay you've seen it now firsthand you've experienced it a little bit You've learned it. You've been told what it takes by that guy himself. Mm -hmm. How do you now apply that going into year number three? And in a way, you're still technically looking at year number two for him because yeah. of the injury that took place. Yeah, he knows it's tangible, and that's, that's yes. important. Go ahead, Will. Adam, I just want to know, like, we've talked about sort of the ups and downs of the season. What is your take on just the offseason in general, this idea of continuity and sort of sticking with the core, running it back? I've been a little bit skeptical, um, but we've also talked about like being rational and logical and emotional and all these things. But curious to curious to hear your take on it. If I look at the core, when they were healthy, when they were at their best, how, what did you guys think? Would you would you have taken them in a second round series against the right matchup? I cannot like the, the, the hard right part matchup. to tell yeah. was right matchup because sure. they had that glaring record that no one was ignoring against the top teams in right. the East. Yeah. So if if I looked at the the truly healthy group and and looked at them and tried to extrapolate what I thought they could do, I I would put them at a competitive second round team, which yeah. means yes. you get the you, you win your first round matchup because right. you're probably let's say f uh, you know four or five even you're probably good enough even in a, in, as the five seed to beat the four seed yeah. in a series, even if you don't have home court. So I thought you should win a first-round series. And then with the right matchup, let's say you get the two or the three seed, you get the right matchup in that second-round series, you got a real shot yes. to at least be competitive. I didn't say they necessarily win, but I thought they would make it a six-game series. Mm -hmm. And maybe if a couple bounces go your way, you make some big shots. Maybe, maybe you do take it seven. Maybe you do get to the conference finals somehow. Sure. That was my um, maybe pipe dream, highest level. I don't even want to call it a pipe dream. I thought that was the highest tangible, tangible yeah. uh, graspable goal Correct. last year. True. So if that's the core that you're going with, and again, it's it's scary because you can't assume DeMar is going to do the exact same yeah. thing as a year ago, although right. now you you see the work he puts in. Right. If he did do it, you know why he, he does it, because right. he puts that work in. If Williams elevates to the level we expect if ball is healthy and that's the oh, biggest word yes. will here is health you know knock on whatever wood you can find right yeah. now and it's it's we do that a lot here yeah, I imagine you guys do <laughs> you have to have health but that's the assumption for everybody right every projection every an analysis you give is based on assuming that these guys are going to play 75 games or 70 games or whatever it is yeah. so based off that i agreed with the concept that you don't have to blow everything up. You don't have to mortgage a bunch of your pieces to go out and get a 34-year-old Kevin Durant and try to bring him over. You don't have to necessarily deal Kobe White right now if you don't want to. You don't have to make him you don't have to shop Vucevic right now if that's not something you want to do. You can right. get better in at the margins. I think that's a fair assessment for this team. 
And I think they at least got better around the margins. Is it like would I love a Jordan Poole as my backup guard? Oh, yeah. Sure, of course I would. <laughs> yeah. Like, would I want that as that type of player? Of course. Would, would I want, uh, you know, even like a Dwight Howard? Would I want Mitchell Robinson maybe to mm-hmm. be like a lead center and maybe have Dwight Howard as a backup or something? Sure, that'd be an ideal scenario. But how, what are you going to have to give up to get to that point? So I think the core pieces, the way they are, are are more than good as long as they're healthy, and then. Dalen Terry can help because he's not going to be expected to score double digits a game. No, he's not. Like Patrick Williams came in. But and he you're dropped 56 the other day, Adam. 56 in, in the Pro-Am in, in Crawford's league out there. Yes, like you don't have to. Like when Patrick Williams started playing, you're like, he's probably going to be a 10 to 12 point scorer. Yeah. And now you're looking at him and be like, I hope he's a 15 to 17 point scorer. Yeah. You're not expecting that from Dalen Terry. No. Give me help side defense in, your, in the second unit. Right. Guard, guards and wings. Give me a steal if you can, and run the floor and go be an athlete in the open floor. Something he was yeah. so good at yeah. at Arizona. So yeah. that's what I need from him. Io going into year number two, I expect him to make a, a standard improvement from year one to year two, or at the very least, keep a certain baseline. Right. And then what, let's see what happens when you get to February. All right, are they in position to make a trade to really boost you? Maybe you're the four seed and now you want to you know, try to make a real push. Yeah. Maybe you're the seven seed and you need to make a move to try to solidify right. Right. a top six position. And I don't think this is going to happen based on everything we've talked about. But let's say you're out of it. All right, well, now you really consider Vucevic, Kobe White. Maybe you consider somehow, I don't, again, I do not think it'll ever get to this point. Mm-hmm. But like teams have gotten to the point where they will deal their top guys because they know... Mm-hmm. The contract situation is what it is. These guys aren't going to be in control, uh, under our control for more than two more years, so let's make those moves. I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. I think you can wait and see right now because you got the backup center at the very least filled in Drummond. you got a, an insurance policy point guard and a veteran like Dragic. You brought in Terry, and then everybody else, if they're healthy, you've got a full roster of 10 guys that you feel comfortable putting out there. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, you know, Bulls fans have been talking about it all offseason long. I see Corey, uh, shout out to him for the super chat, asking about, you know, packaging the Portland pick with Kobe White. <laughs> Nothing like that ever happened this offseason or at last year's deadline. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe, like you said, we'll see what happens and where the team is coming up to this upcoming season's trade deadline. Yeah. That, that fits but, right into what Corey was talking about. Right, like exactly. that, that's, that fits right into your question is, um, is you see where you're at at that exactly. point. Exactly. But I think in the meantime, something the Bulls fans should remind themselves of, and Uh-oh. this is coming from someone who can lose his lid <laughs> quickly. Literally, <laughs> literally yeah, in a moment, moment, moment ago. Yes. He literally just saw it. <laughs> Remember where we were. Dave, I think I saw you interacting on Twitter y- yesterday with somebody yeah. who you were showing appreciation to for remembering yeah. where we were. Yeah. Uh, it was it was the anniversary of the thanks goodbye yeah. of the bald-headed menace, as Peace. Dave calls him. Um, <laughs> we don't say his and name like, here. <laughs> what, what this new front office inherited yes. just uh, about two years ago mm-hmm. And what they built this past season and what could have been mm-hmm. had that what they built been healthy for the yeah. final stretch of was last it, season. Wasn't it August of 20 when Patrick uh, Williams was, got drafted because mm-hmm. the, the draft got pushed back? Yeah. So it's it's yeah. two years ago this month. And they you don't recognize an entire you roster you don't, you don't for Zach and Kobe. You, if you lined up those two rosters, you wouldn't recognize them. The, no, you the, the staffs, the rosters, the front so office, you wouldn't recognize for, them. For them to say continuity and hopefully health, let's see where this goes. You're t- like... 
I know it's not the flashy thing. It's that not maybe sexy. Some and and we, we, we obviously say, we, we acknowledge right. that yeah. this is not splashy. Right. And you, we'll use the word continuity. That is a very unsplashy word to right. use. But it's an important <laughs> one, and it's an applicable one to this particular group. And I'd much rather be in that state than be where this franchise was two years ago where you're yes. like looking around going, we kind of have to blow this up. Right now you have options at right. the very least as to what you can do. And again, it's nice to be able to react based on results rather than have to force the hand and hope that the results come yeah. with that. Like how good is it going to be that – for a second year in a row, you're going to watch actual good basketball. It's I. That's the hope, man. Like because I went through watching, obviously, for as a yeah. as a fan my whole life. Like watching a lot of you know a decade of lean basketball, mm-hmm. decade and a half of lean basketball until Rose came in. Trash. And then and then it was it was bad. It was bad hoops. Yes. And and there yes. there were great individual players that will have great. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll they've left a great mark on the franchise, and we yeah, all we sure. appreciate them. But it didn't lead to what. We talked about setting the bar, right? right the bar right, was set right. in the 90s, and, and it's hard to ever recreate that for any franchise ghost, in yeah. any sport. You are chasing ghosts in a lot of ways, but at the very least, you understand what it's like to, to be a winning franchise. Yes. And finally, we're seeing the elements of that again, yes. just as we did 10 years ago, and we're getting a chance to see it again now. Yeah. So we're almost out of time, uh, which is heartbreaking. But before we get out of here... We have been spending the last couple of weeks doing some uh, sort of deep dives team by team in the East, especially the top end of the East, yep. as far as what they've done in the offseason, who they've drafted, any trades they've made, free agent signings, to kind of look at, okay, is the, the power structure of the East going to look similar coming into this season compared to last season? For the most part, we've all kind of been on the consensus that, yeah, top of the East is going to stay at the top of the East. Is there a clear team to you that – should be the favorites to win it. Do you think Boston has the best odds at repeating as Eastern Conference champs? Or, and or do you think there's a team that in the East that got considerably better, more so than all of the other top-shelf teams in the East this offseason with their offseason moves? I think Philadelphia stuck out when you go and try to get a little tougher. So mm. you go get P.J. Tucker. Mm. Like That's a move that matters to me, especially a guy yes. that has experience like that. And I think that's a big loss for Miami. Now, don't yes. get me wrong. Miami has it is as good of an organization as there is in bringing new guys in the way they implemented Max Struess and Martin and uh, uh, Gabe, Vincent. Uh, Gabe Vincent. Thank mm-hmm. you. I was, I was reaching for it. Like those three guys made huge impacts, especially right. mm-hmm. Struess and Vincent yeah. as like three point shooters, yeah, like, and so. what they did on the, and what Vincent did on the defensive and having to guard some tough players, like the, they're as good as anybody at reloading, so you can't assume that they're not going to go out and try to improve on the margins. But P.J. Tucker was a key part to yeah. what they were doing, especially in a playoff series. Very and I so. think him going over to Philadelphia changes a little bit of the tenor of that team. Harden took a pay cut, for him a pay cut, but like giving some salary relief to an organization right. that needs it. So maybe he does. Maybe they do make a move and go out and get bring in a Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now the entire tenor of the conference shifts in favor of Philadelphia. They have MP, they have Durant, they've got Harden, they've got P.J. Tucker, they've got a really good roster right behind them. We're not even mentioning Tobias Harris right now. Right. Like They're oh very good. God, yes. They're very good overall. They're top seven or eight you'd put up with anybody in the NBA. True. So I don't think it's going to shift drastically. I still think Milwaukee with Middleton has a better run in the second round than they did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I still feel like they, they're going to be competitive again. That's the one thing where, where, you know, we looked at this Bulls team as like the number one team, you know, for a good chunk of the year. 
And maybe some of it was a mirage because other teams were dealing with other stuff and Bede missed a bunch of time. You could, may, you could really deep dive and come up with 15 different answers, and that's yeah. okay. But what it doesn't change is that the rest of the conference is still really, really good. Yeah. The Bulls still might only be the fourth or maybe fifth best team right. mm-hmm. on paper yes. compared to everybody else because Milwaukee didn't get worse. Mm-hmm. I don't think Boston got worse. No, I think maybe Miami quote unquote got worse, but yeah. I expect them to fill in yeah. because they always but they'll do. They'll still be good because they never freaking go away. They never go they away. So like go. it's it's not going to be easier this year. That's the right. other thing. You hope to counteract that by having your full complement to go up against these heavy rosters Correct. for the majority of the season for all four meetings or all three meetings that you're right. going to see these teams. Is there is there a game quickly? Is there a game you're just looking forward to calling this season? And well, I know I know the uh, the schedule is going to come out this week, so we we'll really get to see it. But like for me, it's always Milwaukee, especially after last year. Now that you've gotten a taste of seeing them in a playoff series and going, oh, okay, so this is what right. the ramped up version of the Bucks looks like in a first round series. Uh, Golden State's going to be – I've heard inklings. I think Golden State's going to be a national broadcast. I think they're going to put Milwaukee and the Bulls on TNT this year. Like, I think you're going to see a little bit more national exposure this season. So a lot of those games, obviously we're not going to be calling some of those. We, right. we might call a, a couple of them. But, like, right. I'm excited for the divisional games against Milwaukee. I'm very excited for a Bulls-Philadelphia matchup. And then anytime you go out and get barometer – tests mm-hmm. in the west i'm always excited for golden state now phoenix uh the bulls have played well against dallas the last few yeah, years mm-hmm. i i'm got a good cur- win against denver last season yeah. I, they, the early in the season the denver so like just the barometer games i think yeah. are the ones that always stick out like how do you match up with yeah. the people with the teams that people look at and go well they're really good let's see how good you are in comparison to them absolutely right ladies and gentlemen well, one uh, more time Go, go ahead, ahead. Will. go ahead, Will. I was just gonna say, a couple of national games. Maybe we just got an atom bomb on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've just heard tricklings in, and we don't have a schedule yet. And we'll see. I'll see it with everybody else tomorrow. But from what I understand, there are going to be a few more exposed games for the Bulls to to get an opportunity to play in front of the national. Oh, TNT Bulls are coming back. Let's baby. hope so. Let's get that TNT Comes run back, going back. Dude. And again, what does it say? It means that you're an impactful, a more impactful franchise right. now Correct. than you were a year ago. Bulls always draw eyes yep. globally and certainly uh, across, uh, you know, for nationally televised. So they're a huge brand. And when they're decent, they should draw a lot of national games. Absolutely. But you always got Adam and his pal Stacey King on the yeah. local call for NBC Sports Still Chicago. Sad. Give it up. He's on the yes. socials at Adam Amin. If you want to follow him, <laughs> I know he's been saying he's been kind of, you know, it's nice to take a step away from the socials every once in a while. Step away, it's all good. But he is there around. at Adam Amin on Twitter and on Insta if you he want to give him Drake. a follow. Uh, <laughs> give, give the people what they want to hear. Not Week one, NFL, point. who you got? Uh, get excited for Motor City, Dan Campbell, and the kids in Detroit. Woo! We've got uh, Philadelphia, Detroit, Week 1. Okay. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco, Week 2. So I'll get, I'll get the 49ers right after uh, the Bears see them. And yeah. then Week 3, we've got Philly again on the road at Washington in a divisional division, game, Carson yeah. Wentz rematch against his old team. So uh, we, we're, we're going to see Philly a couple times. I think there's a lot of uh, hype surrounding the Eagles right now, and understandably yeah. so. It's true. Uh, I commend you for not just – absolutely shitting on the Eagles and all of our trouble fans anytime you have to do an Eagles game. It's, it's, job, it's very, it's very yeah. noble of you, He's sir. Like, Look at hey, man, we had, four, we had like four of those games last year. And I, I, even I was starting to develop like a Delco accent. Like, you know, it's like, go birds. 
Let's get a hoogie. Uh, Adam, hoogie. thanks for coming to the thanks, studio, bro. man. It's always it, great to see you. It's a pleasure to see Adam you. Adam and me, and the one, the only, ladies and gentlemen. For Adam, for Joey, for Will the Goat, for Big Dave, I'm Peck. We're back in the studio with another show for you tomorrow. Tomorrow, make sure you tune in. We're doing yes. a crossover with the ladies from CHGO Sky, yeah. previewing the Sky's playoff run as they try to back defend to their the title. Titles. Sky on, playoffs start tomorrow night. We will have Sabria and Janice with us for a crossover show tomorrow. So tune in for that. Keep it locked right here on the CHO Sports YouTube channel all day long for more of our content. Until tomorrow for Joey. our crew here, for everybody, I'm Pac saying C-Red, be good. We love you, Bulls Nation. Peace out. <laughs>